We're in 2 Samuel chapter 13. Uh, as our scripture reading spoke of, we will study vengeance taken by Absalom upon his brother Amnon. And in chapter 13, first part of 2 Samuel, Amnon has acted upon his lust for Tamar, his half-sister. He took Tamar by force, raped her in his own home, and Tamar is there visiting Amnon at the king's request. Go to Amnon, bake some cakes for him, for Amnon is pretending to be sick. Amnon confronts Tamar, says, come lie with me, my sister. And she pleads with Amnon not to do this, not to shame her in this way. And she even says, Amnon, you're going to be considered a fool in Israel for this lustful behavior that you're about to do. She even, Tam, Tamar even offers to marry Amnon. Don't rape me. Go to David, the king, and he will not refuse you. And that's her last resort, but... Her pleas go unheeded, and Amnon forces himself upon Tamar. And then the giant swing happens. His hatred, Amnon's hatred of Tamar, is much greater than any love, or perhaps you should say lust, that he ever had for her. Amnon orders Tamar out of his house. And he tells his servants, lock the door behind Tamar. Tamar is shamefully treated, to say the least. She tears her colorful robe that the king's daughter would wear, his virgin daughters, puts ashes on her head, and she leaves weeping bitterly. Absalom. Tamar's brother takes her into his home. And Tamar flees to her brother's house. And we're left to wonder, how come she goes to her brother's house and not to her father's house? What is going on with Tamar's father King David. What is he thinking? What is he doing? Why does King David remain silent? There's no condemnation from their father, the king, against Amnon for this rape of his daughter, his sister, and David is silent. Tamar has to feel abandoned by her father, David. 
She is being rejected by David's silence. It's a, a sad thing that David wouldn't stand up and uh, at least confront Amnon, but he doesn't. In my early teens, my mom and dad got divorced. Those were rough years for my mother and for us children, us kids. We felt abandoned by my dad. He never came about. There was no visitations. There was, you know, it was like we didn't see my dad for years. Years later, my older sister stayed in touch with my dad, and she asked him why he never came about. Why did you abandon us kids? And he couldn't give a good answer. But being abandoned leaves scars. My older brother never reconciled with my dad. They never uh, had any meetings or anything. And I only point this out to say, children expect to be loved. And they have a right to be loved by their parents. They have a right to be treated fairly by their parents. And my dad passed away a few years ago. And I'm not even sure that any of us kids, maybe my sister attended his funeral, but I'm not even sure about that. But Tamar has been raped by Ammon, her brother, and David, her father, the king does nothing. Well, we read that he got angry. But his anger didn't even move him to action. So let's pick up 2 Samuel 13, verse 23 through 39. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Balhazor, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons, Absalom's brothers and so forth. When Absalom came to the king and said, kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with you and your servants. But the king said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, but he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brothers Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's son go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now. When Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's son arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass, while they were on their way, that news came to David, saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. 
Then Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king take this thing to heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. Then Absalom fled. The young men who were keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked, and there many people were coming on the road from the hillsides behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming. As your servant said, so it is. So it was as soon as, the, as he had finished speaking that the king's sons indeed came, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Telmiah, the son of Amehud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the king David longed to go to Absalom, for he had been comforted concerning Amnon, because he was dead. What a sad event. Sheep shearing in that society was a festival time. Absalom invites David, his sons, and all his servants to this celebration of sheep shearing. But David kindly uh, refuses the invitation by Absalom. But David allows his sons, including Amnon, to attend Absalom's sheep shearing. But Absalom, he's scheming and he's plotting Amnon, his brother's death. Listen to Absalom's command to his servant. When Amnon's heart is merry, i.e. when Amnon is drunk with wine, and I say strike Amnon and kill him, be courageous, have I not commanded you? Sound familiar? Yeah. David, in his dealing with Uriah, got him drunk, and eventually he sent Uriah to his death, against the Ammonites. The servants of Absalom obey and they kill Amnon. The other sons, the guests, they flee Absalom's party and they leave on their mules. Word comes to David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. This causes David to go into great mourning, uh, thinking that all his sons are killed. And David, along with his servants, are mourning greatly. Enter Jonadab. The same Jonadab who advised Amnon, Amnon on how to rape Tamar, his half-sister. But Jonadab, he's eager to give David good news. He will correct the false report. For Jonadab, he's an opportunist. 
He's given David a better report. And he says, hey, only Amnon is dead. Jonadab is constantly looking for opportunity, looking for gratification, for reward, for advancement. Jonadab is an ambitious man. He's zealous for recognition. He's hoping to receive from David the king a reward in some way for delivering good news. Absalom, on his part, he leaves, he flees Israel. He does not go to a city of refuge that were set up if you accidentally killed somebody. But he goes to Talmah of Geshur. And the reason he goes to his uh, Geshur is as his mother's father, his grandfather, happened to be king of Geshur. Sort of convenient. And Absalom is there in Geshur for three years. And we read how David longed to go to Absalom. But he doesn't. He doesn't reconcile with Absalom. And you wonder why will David not take action within his own family? Absalom and Tamar, they waited for David to judge Amnon's rape of Tamar. And they waited two full years. They waited for the king to come against this forceful rape within his own family. But David does nothing. David remained silent. David, in his silence, has taken the path of non-confrontation. David, he's been a valiant warrior. He was known for his bravado in battle and so forth. But he will not even chastise Amnon, his son. And whether David realized it or not, his other sons and daughters, along with his servants, wait for David to at least condemn Amnon for his rape of Tamar. Bad picture. Uh, dysfunctional family, to say the least. Meanwhile, Absalom hides his hatred for Amnon. And he begins to plot how to kill Amnon. He's going to take vengeance in his own hands. After all, Absalom has seen King David refuse to even condemn Tamar's rape. King David won't even voice his objection to the rape of his daughter. And far as we know, Absalom never goes to King David about the rape of Tamar. 
by Amnon. And David's silence sends a message to Absalom. And that message is, I'm not going to do anything. And for Absalom, he feels he must revenge. He must have revenge for Tamar's rape. And we read how Absalom schemes and plots the death of his brother Amnon. Now we can understand. It's, it's understandable that Absalom and Tamar want David to do something. At least condemn Amnon. But Absalom has allowed the sin by Amnon to fester, to, you know, just kind of boil within him. And it brings him full circle to murder. King David, his father, will do nothing to Amnon, but Absalom, he's going to do something about it. And Absalom... It, is vindictive and his hatred drives him to fall into murder. Unchecked hatred can lead to murder very obviously. Absalom, he cannot let the rape of Tamar pass. He can't get over it. He can't forgive and forget. And it enters the heart of Absalom that David, his father, also has committed murder with Uriah. And Absalom puts it together and he says he will do nothing because he too is guilty of murder. We know this because sin is never done in a vacuum. My... <laughs> My mom would say things and we would hear her pray. Make sure his sin finds them out, Lord. Well, they do. You don't sin in secret. God tells David through Nathan the prophet in 2 Samuel 12, 9 through 12, Why, David, have you despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite. You've killed him with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. And you have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, David, because you have despised me. And you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversaries against you from your own house. I will make your wives, I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbors. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel under the sun. David has a reaction to being confronted by Nathan the prophet. And he says, I have sinned against the Lord. 
And David understands. He must realize I'm being chastised by God through my children just as Nathan the prophet told me I would be. Sin has consequences. Most criminals never take their crime to completion. Being caught and being prosecuted, it just doesn't enter their mind. They don't think ahead. But we're told that David despised the commands of God. That means David looked scornfully upon God's commands to him. And one of those commands was not to add wives. To despise God's words was harsh news delivered by Nathan to David. Why would David reject? Why, what would cause David to scorn God's word to him? Simple, the pleasures of sin. The pleasures of sin were more important to David than obeying God. But now, his children, his added wives and their children, and the guilt of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, they haunt David. They chase him down. And I'm telling you, that's the reason David could not bring himself to condemn Amnon in his rape of Tamar because of his own guilt of sin. God assured David, you're forgiven, David, but the consequences of your sin will live on. They brought David daily sorrow. He can't reconcile Absalom. He can't condemn Amnon, his own sons, because David has this guilt of his own past and the consequences of his sin. And God told him, you will have the sword within your own family, and it's coming about. We do not have redos, play it again, on our past sins. We have forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. But the consequences of sin are always there. And we see this in David and his family. What do you do when tempted, when confronted to sin? I like what Joseph did. Joseph in Egypt, he flees Potiphar's wife. He runs from her. He runs out of the house. And we must run from sin if we must. Don't be afraid to run from sin. Because sin is not out to give you a bad day. Sin is out to kill you. It's to bring death. I don't know of anyone who has ever regretted not succumbing to temptation. We don't have regrets about not sinning. We only have regrets from sinning. You never hear anybody say, I wish I'd have went ahead and sinned. 
No, you never hear that. You only hear, I wish I would have never sinned. There's no regrets in fleeing sin. Absalom, he takes vengeance upon Amnon after two years. This, the sin of Amnon against Tamar has brewed, has, has just boiled, has fermented in Absalom's heart for two years. And finally, Absalom becomes a murderer because he can't let go of the sin that Amnon did to his sister. And then Absalom sins a greater sin by committing murder. Absalom compounds the sin of Amnon. Why? Because he wouldn't allow God to correct the matter. He became vindictive, filled with vengeance. And what do we know about vengeance? God says it belongs to him. It's mine. It's not yours. So we're being lifted up in pride when we begin to think we will take vengeance. It's a prideful stance when we think we become judge and jury. In David's house, David's sons are filled with murder and hate because they took vengeance. Because David despised the word of God and sinned. Sinned with Bathsheba, sinned by killing Uriah, and it all came home. So what do we learn? We we have forgiveness, but we also have consequences of sin. Don't let sin mock you. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.